Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. Hello and welcome. <clears throat> Let me take that again. <clears throat> Alrighty. <clears throat> Greetings and welcome to the movie house. Oh shit, I fucked that up again. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. I think all of this is going to stay in, right? Yeah, oh, fun. knowing Boref, it's definitely going to stay in. All right, fuck it. Welcome. You're in the movie trap. This is the movie trap, and the I am Russell Carlson. The old dark Carlson. movie trap. The old dank movie trap. The dank, Mo. The dank. Um, I am Russell Carlson, and with these, me, my uh, chuckling uh, co host, Chris Boref. Boref. Boref Karloff. <laughs> and also with me my other co-host zach powers no bets no bets <laughs> have a potato okay um on the movie trap you are we watch three movies and then at the end of the three movies, we then vote on an allocated amount of 10 points that we each have a base of to figure out which is the best movie. Uh, this is a unique theme because it's our horror movie theme. So nobody really picked the theme other than the random roll of the dice. Uh, so the theme this uh, Halloween special is horror movies from before and including 1959. Uh, previously on the movie trap, we watched Borif's first pick. And that was uh, The Curse of the Cat People. And uh, then today we are watching my first, mo my movie, The Old Dark House, 1932, directed by James Whale. Um, before we get started into uh, crashing into a, a late night escapade in the shelter of the storm, uh, let's get a rundown of the points, shall we? Okay, Chris Bork. You have two more bonus points to give out with 11 points at final voting. I have two more bonus points to give out with 10 points at final voting. And Zach Powers, you have three points to give out and 11 points for final voting. Uh, so, yeah, um, I should say that instead of what I would normally do in the movie trap, what's going to happen at the end of this horror movie theme is that whoever wins gets to pick a bonus movie with no consequences or hopes of uh, backlash or anything like that. We just have to sit there and take it. Whoever wins it, he could do whatever they want. Um, so that's what we have to look forward to. That is the eyes on the prize, gentlemen. So with that in mind, Zach, why don't you go to start it on the old dark house? The old dark house is a 1932 film directed by James Whale, uh, also known for Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man. It is based on a 1927 novel called Benighted by J.B. Priestley. Uh, it stars Boris Karloff, Charles Lawton, Lillian Bond, and others. Um, Melvin Douglas, baby. Melvin Douglas, sure. Uh Regardless, uh, yeah, it is a sort of horror comedy, um, and the basic uh, the basic plot is as such. Um, while vacationing in Wales, a merry couple, uh, Margaret and uh, Philip, uh, and their friend Roger Penderell, are uh, are hit by a heavy storm and uh, unable to continue uh, on their trek through Wales. Um, in dire need of some kind of refuge, 
they come upon an old house in the countryside uh, and, uh, you know, uh, ask if they could stay the night. Once they enter, they meet um, first a large, mostly silent butler named Morgan, uh, played by Boris Karloff, as well as the proper owners of the house, Horace Femme and his sister, Rebecca. Uh, eventually, Horace and Rebecca, uh, strange as they may be, do agree that they have no choice but to stay the night until it becomes safe for them to travel uh, once again. Um, and uh, Margaret goes with Rebecca to change out of her wet clothes and is berated about how she's... Uh, She's lecherous and sinful and all this shit. Rebecca thinks, seems to think that everybody in her family is horrible and sinful and evil, um, including their 102-year-old father, Roderick, who still lives somewhere else in the house. Um, uh, during dinner, two more uh, sort of strays find their way into the house. Uh, a man named William Porterhouse and uh, his friend, platonic friend, it seems, Gladys Decane. Um, they join them for dinner and then uh, cigarettes and drinks by the fire, as you did in the 1930s. Um, and Roger and uh, Gladys uh, eventually leave to go to the car to get some whiskey, um, but end up staying around in the car and kind of getting to know each other a little bit better. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as the lights go out, uh, Philip and, uh, Philip and Horace are sent to get a lamp from upstairs. Horace is too scared to go upstairs and sends Philip alone. Philip notices a locked door mysteriously upstairs. Um, meanwhile, Margaret, who has been left alone, is accosted by Morgan, who is now violently drunk. Uh, he chases her, uh, up the stairs um, and eventually Philip, returning with the lamp, manages to uh, knock Morgan out with this gigantic ass lamp that he has retrieved. Um, so eventually Roger and Gladys return and uh, discuss with William uh, that uh, maybe Gladys and Roger should live together. William, uh, you're her friend, I guess. So that you're part of this decision. Um, they woke him up to tell this too, by the way. He slept wow. through the whole fight between, uh, um, you know, he just comes in, see the place of Drek, and it's like, ugh, time for a nap. But it seems like, indeed, William is just her platonic friend, so he's fine with it. Um, <laughs> they're, they're a bunch of libertines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Philip and Margaret have begun to explore the rest of the house and find the old man Roderick Femme, um, who says that there is another secret resident of the house, Saul, his other child, uh, who is a pure psychopath who wants to burn down the house and kill everybody in it. Um, Morgan, having woken up, has got upstairs and freed Saul, uh, at which point um, <laughs> the Morgan begins to uh, uh, accost Margaret again, drawing away a bunch of the guests. Um and eventually uh, dragging Morgan into the kitchen. Um, they Rebecca hides in her bedroom and uh, Margaret and Gladys hide in a closet. Saul finally makes his appearance after showing his arm for a little while. Um, 
and kind of plays with Roger's head about whether he is the insane one or if everybody else in the house is keeping him hostage against his will. But it is soon found out Saul is indeed crazy and knocks Roger out. Uh, he attempts to start burning down the house with a log from the fire, but Roger wakes up. They fight. They both fall from the second story balcony uh, into the main room. Saul is killed. And Roger uh, seems dead for a moment, but as Gladys goes to tend to him, finds he is indeed still alive. Um, yeah, so Gladys and William stay uh, the next morning to tend to Roger's injuries while Philip and Margaret go for help. And uh, Roger and Gladys decide they're gonna get married. And that is the end of the old dark house. Sun is shining, roads yeah. are clear, and yeah. and everything you know, worked and out. And the the main uh, truth of the story, the main moral, is uh, kill the oldest person in the house so that uh, everything will return to nice and uh, you know safe, everyday happy vibes. The oldest person in the house survives. Old Roderick, played by, uh, I think, played by a woman Very pretending true. to be a man. Very yeah. true. Oh. Oh, wait, so Saul um, wasn't yep. the oldest one in the house? Because I know when they introduced him as, like, the creepy... Saul was like... the oldest son, I think, or, oh, like, okay. the second oldest son or something. Because no, no, no. when they Saul introduced the him, son. he looks, the he looks woman... ancient when they pop him up. <laughs> the person in the bed is Roderick, and that's the father. And he's ah. bedridden. He's 102. Gotcha. Okay. And then Saul okay. is... Saul is a different character who appears... For the first time you see him for a long time, it's just his arm sticking out from behind. Right. Or, a, or a cackle sound cue. You know, you yeah. hear this. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That This movie was definitely not what I expected because I, I this was a blind pick for me because I had never seen it before. I, I chose it um, purely on the pedigree. Uh, well, we well, know that you're I, a huge Titanic fan. Uh, you just really wanted to see Gloria Stewart's Gloria early Stewart and... In the, mm -hmm. in, in, yeah, right. Um, no, really, I'm a Charles Lawton fan, really, because um, if nobody's seen Witness for the Prosecution, you'll know what I'm talking about, because that <laughs> movie's fucking awesome, and Lawton's amazing in it. Um, but also, uh, Melvin Douglas, you know, I've never seen a movie this early with Melvin Douglas. I'm more familiar with Melvin Douglas's much later day work, 30 years later, with, like, HUD and being there and stuff like that. Um, so that's more what it, so it was nice to see him in, you know, in his prime, you know, because this all, all these people in this movie, including Whale, this is one of their earlier films. I mean, this is kind of an early outing for everybody. Yeah, um, this would have been, I think, after Frankenstein, but yeah. prior to Bride of Frankenstein. Right. Or Invisible um, Man. Or Invisible Man, too, because this is, the, yeah, it's a, after this, Karloff and James Whale never spoke to each other, according to the IMDb page. Um, but yeah, I, I was sort of a blind pick because, yeah, James Whale is what you know he's the equivalent of spielberg when it comes to horror movies of this era i mean he is the him who fritz lang you know maybe thurl dickinson these are the, the 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 heavy hitters of of the genre this year so i thought i can't go wrong with picking this film um uh, not picking up that the comedic themes immediately but getting the gist of it that this was i, meant I to mean be. i think this movie it made me laugh pretty early like in the first scene the between Philip and Margaret were having this argument and are like so combative. And I thought the dialogue of that scene was actually kind of amusing. And then they like pan back to reveal there's been a guy in the back seat I know, for I... this entire <laughs> argument. And I like, I was, that's pretty early in the movie and it made me laugh. Like 
the weirdness of the femmes, like the comedy is not generally not overplayed. It's not slapstick. It's just like these weird ass characters, like Rebecca shouting about how everybody's sinful and no one can have a bed or Horace being like, perhaps you should go alone. I I don't want to disturb the upstairs. (laughs) Have a potato, you know. Well, it's just weird because a lot of the comedy comes out of people just playing it totally straight. Like Mm -hmm, they, you know, it's funny situations, but the actors don't like wink at the camera ever. There's never like a moment where they're like, we know we're being silly. It's just like, oh no, this is a serious circumstance that we're in. So it always plays kind of odd to me. Um, you guys said this was like it led to a ton of other movies, which I think is pretty obvious, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and stuff. I think that the Rocky Horror Picture Shows and vibes in this are really strong, especially at the beginning. I've looked it up and definitely it was listed as one of the inspirations by the people who wrote that. But this they meet this big brute of a butler when they first arrive, just like in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, they're a married couple, much like in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And, uh... Yeah, and then they meet like this sort of kind of effeminate master of the house, Horace Femme. His name is literally Femme. And it's just, I get very, very, very much Rocky Horror Picture vibes from a lot of that stuff. Oh, yeah. But also, I mean, for me, also, like, I've thought of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know. I mean, that, that one goes a little bit darker, but it's still, you're stranded out in the middle of nowhere and you meet this crazy family and, you know, nightmares ensue. Although this one, like, again, it's it's based off a, of a novel. And apparently, I was going to try to read the novel, but apparently the novel is meant to be sort of like this satire on World War One, or not really a satire, more like a commentary on the after effects of society and class and men in particular after World War One. I. I didn't really get that from the movie, but that night, be the not might not be the original story's fault but you do kind of get the sense that this movie at least with the dialogue specifically the scene where they're all sitting around smoking and lawton goes on this whole diatribe about money and all that stuff that that felt like they were supposed to be something socially or culturally biting or maybe revealing about that that maybe i'm just too far removed to really kind of understand or contextualize the nuances of but that felt like okay this was like we're trying to do this like a you know like a novel basically where they just sit around and talk. yeah i mean i get the yeah. impression for sure i mean like the original novel probably did explore that world war one you know whatever that uh on we that was like very common after world war one kind of the world over um but uh that i also get the impression that the original novel was a straight horror novel it seems like the plot was pretty similar uh i looked it up uh and the one thing that's different is in the book, Roger and Saul both die at the end. Roger does not okay. survive. Mm. Okay. So that's... they probably put that in there as just like a little happy ending was... for people. My, that yeah. might have been universal. That might have been. And I mean, it's also a comedy now, like because yeah. they added all these comedic elements, maybe it didn't fit the tone to do have. We, do we really think this was designed to be a comedy? I mean, like, I, I think know it was for sure. About like the whole sin, sin, and then it like jumps these weird cuts to reflections of her and this kind of warped reflection. I, I get the sense that it was meant to be a little bit off-putting and maybe it's just comedic to us now. I think it's a tone issue. Like I have a feeling that James Whale might not have been a comedy director and this is definitely a comedy script. So there's things in it that like how it was handled shows it as a comedy, but then like performances, like I said, they were totally straight performances and like, like here's an example. Um, Shaun of the Dead. 
that's a modern film um the horror in that film is never really not scary like they don't make it a bit that they're zombies outside sure. of the like when the threat is there the threat's really there and most of the comedy comes from just how goofy the people are and the fact that they kind of are coming to that with like a more modern like deconstructivist like um view of horror films as opposed to like people who would be in a horror film um but in this one it's like the tone was so straightforward and it also had all that melodrama in there too so it's like it was a yeah. lot of stuff from that time period and it's like well this is all kind of heavy and it like it really messed with the tone and like the shift of tone because it was hard to figure out like what's happening in the movie like are we being funny right now are we being serious right now I but, didn't yeah. have that problem with it. Yeah, I thought this movie was meant to be funny and often was very funny. Like, I don't think that it, huh. uh, I didn't, I didn't get tone with I guess I, it. I tried, I, I guess I got it in my, I, I put my blinders on and like was buckling up for, you know, a kind of a scary monster movie. And, and it kind of was, but not really. I mean, Morgan, I, I will say, I, I do like it when in horror movies, when the menace uh, isn't driven by anything supernatural. I always love that, yeah. you know, that, that, that's, that's fun for me, but I, I tried to watch it more as like a straight kind of horror movie as much as I can watch it, you know, almost a century later. Um, <laughs> like it, 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 it still kind of like gives you kind of creepier vibes. It's at least scarier than curse of the cat people. I'll say that, well, yeah. you know, at least yeah, yeah, yeah. there it's definitely a horror comedy. Okay. Yeah. Well, All right. I, I guess I just didn't pick up on the comedy vibes. Definitely picked up on the melodrama vibes. And that was maybe more of where I was just getting like the kind of oh, no, yeah. quippy I, dialogue. I got the vibe that the, this was supposed to be fucking ridiculous. Like these huh. people are supposed to be absurd and over the top. And like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Just, and a lot of the dialogue like between the characters was so like silly and pithy. And yeah. like, I don't know. I, I just feel like it was, you know, she fucking keeps messing up her goddamn shoes like an idiot. Like, I just feel like it was yeah. meant to be a comedy the, the for old, me. The old lady I mean, being I, hard I, of hearing was very I, funny. I definitely, like, that one I got all the time because I'm yes. also hard of hearing, so I have those conversations constantly now. <laughs> I, yeah. I I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, Horace Femme's hilarious. Um, you know, yeah. where he gets up there he's and he's so being like, we don't need the lamp, do we? We can live in the yeah, dark. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, he's just like your classic He's over the top and he's like coward. Yeah, his sister like kind of rules over him in this way, but they have like these minor clashes of him being an atheist and she's right, like, yeah. it's, and the, this, this awkward ass dinner scene. Yeah, with the potato, you know, if, if it's British cuisine, that's at least the best part. Uh, but um, I, the other thing that this movie probably introduced that I don't doubt was present in uh, the novel, um, or at least from my perspective, you guys can give me your own feelings on this. One of the, you know, there's several ways they say you can like read a movie. You can do like Marxist reads, you could do whatever, literary, uh, literal reads, whatever. One of them is queer reads. And this movie mm -hmm. is gay as hell. Like, James Whale was an openly gay man, but, like, Morgan and Saul seem like they have this weird relationship. Uh, the old man who's played by a woman. Roger, at the beginning, straight is, like, this weird confirmed bachelor who's, like, going along on this honeymoon with his husband and wife. And I think even the guy who shows up later, the Welsh, the businessman, has this Charles whole Lawton. monologue about, like, no, 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 the guy who's platonic friends with Gladys. That's Charles Lawton. 
Oh, is that Charles yeah, Lawton? Yeah, that's yeah, Charles Lawton. Oh, Sir, I mixed Sir up William Lawton. Porterhouse. Yeah, Porterhouse has this whole speech about how, like, a he's not in a romantic relationship with this woman, and then he has this yeah. big speech about how society like looks down on him, and add in those Rocky Horror Picture vibes, like, and Horace Femme. Come on, like, it's yeah. so. Yeah, well, I, I think oh, that's, movie... that's a that's an easy one. That, yeah, that's with, just... yeah, with Porterhouse, it was very easy to. Uh, imagine that that was them talking about like a like a beard relationship where the well and, the lady and, was there to kind of cover for what his actual circumstance was for what it's worth there were rumors about charles Lawton about that too nothing's been yeah. confirmed but it's been been rumored about quite a bit um i mean it's interesting i didn't really pick up on other than that uh what other things uh like how do, how do you guys feel about that how do you feel that it was, i like, more because about that? i i did a little bit of reading into that a little bit just because uh most people when it comes to james whale as far as queer reading of his movies would always cite the bride of frankenstein that's what they cite as his sort of like hmm. masterpiece a lot of Whale's friends and biographers have sort of pushed back on that, that it wasn't that conscious about it. He was really just trying to make a horror movie. He really, he was open about it, but he wasn't, it, it, they, they play it back a little bit. At least his, his the people who knew him and his biographers sort of pushed back on that readings of his films, that he wasn't trying to be that uh, subtle about it. Um, so I, I, I don't know, man. I, I sort of, I get it, but that just comes from Whale himself. I don't think he could help it. You know, like maybe I, I think you can kind of read that both ways that like, did he intend to? Maybe not, but it's still, you can still see it. So do it, does something intentionally in a film make that theory valid or the fact that we are reading that in the film make the theory valid? That's why I, I, I'm kind of always iffy about films, especially from this era, because everything's very kind of, especially when you're in between the wars, you know, when you're in between World War One and World War Two, culture around the planet was in this really uh, kind of cool and groovy upheaval, but everything was very kind of heavy and dark and stuff. And and it, it was, it's, I don't know, man. I I, I kind of get the, the read, but then it's just all about, like, then it just ends with a happily ever after they get married after meeting for 12 hours. You know? Sure. Uh, but, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like there's so many opportunities where it seems like there's implications and knowing like in real life uh whale was gay and also knowing like how overt could you possibly be with that in a movie of this time probably about this overt yes yeah yeah but that's what i'm saying is that like is that whale doing it or is that us the viewer putting connecting those dots for ourselves like that's we'll we'll never really know because like i said there's there's some dispute about how much um you know worldview whale put in his films um well, there's some i mean about it. Um, this actually but since we're talking about the man uh, i was well, gonna say go for this it. is this is where we could probably get into it because somebody on the show did a lot of work hard this weekend they watched yeah, that's all right <laughs> the stuff they could about this so i'm i'm all for hearing about that uh, yeah, because I think it's fair to say that this movie uh, was almost lost because yeah. Universal lost the private, and then it went to William it was Castle. Rediscovered who at a certain it. point. Yeah, it was rediscovered, but the, it, most people know the title of this movie from the 1963 movie, which I did not watch. Chris did not watch, but our old pal Zach watched. Yeah, the 1963 movie is quite different. Um, the some of the character names are the same it's still the femme family and the main character is named roger uh penderel or whatever 
Um, but he's like this car salesman, right? <laughs> Who is selling uh, Casper Femme a car. And Casper is like, you're my only friend. I'm inviting you over to my house tonight. Please come. Please take the car with you and deliver it to my house. So he goes to the house and he discovers Casper has died between with when he last saw him. So Casper's corpse <laughs> is sitting in the in the living room and he meets like the five or six other members of this family. Right. Who are all like weird, kooky characters. Um, and uh, basically uh over the course of the night, members of the family are getting bumped off like they're dying. And it's revealed there's a huge inheritance that will go to whoever the final surviving member of the family is. And also there's this weird rule that the family has to be present in the house every night at midnight or they get cut out of the inheritance. <laughs> so they all have to live in this house or they're going to lose their money. Um but anyway, so it's like plays like this weird murder mystery. Who's doing it? Who's killing these people? Um, but it's super goofy and slapstick. Like okay. very, very, very silly. Um, there's like a trap door that he keeps falling down. And like they break a little vase over like the big buff. Like one of the one of the uncles is like a huge Morgan-esque dude. And uh, there's this woman that's like keeps on coming on to him like aggressively as one of the femmes. And it's like. The main actor sounds like Jimmy Stewart, but doesn't look like him. Um, <laughs> well, uh, one of them funny. like has one of the one of the characters. Each of the characters is a quirk. One of them thinks that the flood from the Bible is going to happen again and has literally built an ark in the backyard that's full of fucking animals. Weird. <laughs> so oh my God, that's a lot of stuff <laughs> happening. That is yeah. definitely not this movie. That is it's very, it's <laughs> quite different. It shares a few names and this guy's stuck in a, an old dark house, but like, otherwise it's, it's quite, quite different uh, in, in what it's about. So basically See, it's, borrow the name and nothing else kind of. Yeah. And, you, and the fam family, yeah. I guess. Okay. Cause like uh, even the protagonist what, has the same name. It's, it's funny that the, that the remake happened because I honestly, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to pick for this theme, uh, one of the other movies that stuck out to me that I was looking at, again, purely based on the, the casting pedigree, was a 1949 movie called You'll Find Out. And it's essentially the same plot that you just described. It's it's more of a comedy. It's this artist in the 1940s, Kay Kayser and his band, like are performing for a birthday bash at some spooky heiress's family. It's got Bella Lugosi, Peter glory boris karloff um and it's more of a comedy musical horror movie so i was this close to choosing that one so i mean either way somebody's getting trapped in a house am i right um, <laughs> but also singers. i mean zach did zach did a, a step above because we were in our slack chats we were talking about um uh, the director, James Whale, because uh, I had first heard of James Whale, not just from watching the old Universal movies when I was very much a wee one. Um, but then we, I remember watching the movie Gods and Monsters, which Ian McKellen played James Whale, which yeah. took place in like the 50s, directed by Condon. Um, and I, I, I don't really have a strong memory of that film. I remember kind of liking it, but I remember, I, I think I saw it in like middle school. So I didn't really understand it because I think it was right around the time that 
that Ian McKellen was playing Magneto. And I wasn't really familiar with Ian McKellen, but I was very familiar with Magneto. So I was like, well, I better get familiar with Ian McKellen. So Gods and Monsters was the first movie I, I watched with McKellen. I'm like, well, he's an actor, um, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, but Zach did recently rewatch Gods and Monsters. And, and I'd never seen it before, yeah. Um, really? You had never seen it? Oh, okay. Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Ian McKellen uh, and... Uh, Guy who's having a big comeback right now, Brendan nice Fraser. Guy. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, everybody loves Brendan Fraser. Um, got a sterling reputation. Um, anyway, yeah, it's really about the final uh, months, I guess, of James Whale's life. Um, it's a somewhat fictionalized account. Uh, the character that Brendan Fraser plays is kind of analogous for maybe a person who lived with Whale, but is not directly real. Uh, he plays a gardener that begins to work for whale who whale has a, like a becomes fascinated by, and it's unclear how much that's sexual and how much it's not. The end of the movie implies he just wanted to be, he just wanted a friend because he was like a lonely old man. Um, but basically, yeah, it's, it's about James whale. Like he'd been long out of the film business by this point. He like retired. Uh, after a certain point when a, one of his big passion projects, which was about like the rise of fascism in Europe in like the thirties, he made this movie um, was a flop uh, partially because of studio meddling and he retires um, and he's retired for years and years and years. Um, and it was, it's just about him assessing his career and also dealing with a, the fact that he's slowly like losing memories, like he has dementia and B uh, dealing with uh, his memories of World War One, which the James Whale did really serve in World War One, he saw frontline action. He was a prisoner of war, um, so sort of dealing with like these traumatic memories. The best scene in the movie is McKellen giving this monologue about this friend he had in World War One who dies in no man's land about uh, fifty yards into no man's land and is strung up on barbed wire. And how eventually they couldn't get him. It was too far out. So he and all the other soldiers, even though this was a guy he deeply cared for and implied possibly even had a romantic relationship with, would just start greeting him every morning like, hi, Bertram. Hello, Bertram. We don't know how long he was there. But when the next crew came, we introduced him and spoke highly of his companionship and like how they have to like disassociate themselves from. It's the best. It's clearly the best scene in the movie. Yeah. One. One weird moment, uh, James Whale did die by suicide because of his dementia. He drowned himself in his pool. Um, but uh, the night before he dies, he attempts to, um, he like, they have Whale physically assault Brendan Fraser's character. And the implication is he's trying to make him so angry that he'll kill him. And he doesn't. Like, it's suicide by homophobia is the implication um but uh it's very strange because a when you're making a real guy a story about a real guy f inventing a scene where he sexually assaults somebody is very strange to me and b brendan Fraser is famously a survivor of sexual assault like that was mm. part of why he uh, stepped yeah. down from his career for a long time so that aspect did age weirdly overall i think it's a very strong movie it's free on hbo um, as far as the making of things like the old dark house, it's not super interested in like the, uh, parts of James Whale's life where he was making movies. Uh, yeah. It flashes back very, very 
Yeah, to like the set like, of The Bride yeah. of Frankenstein. I'm pretty sure yeah. that like my one memory from that movie is that James Whale's character uh, just keeps saying how boring Boris, Boris Karloff was in real life. Yeah. He's like, that's the most boring yeah. man I ever met, which I'm like, okay, well, that's that's addition uh, quite a bit in this uh, <laughs> docudrama. Right. Um, and, yeah. Gloria Stewart doesn't have a lot of kind things to say about Karloff either. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I kind of uh, always, I, my memory of that movie, I kind of wondered um, how much of the Brendan Fraser character was like legitimately trying to be someone or how much of that was like trying to be like an author insert character because the author wanted to have conversations with James Whale and things like that. And they just needed to have some sort of an ending to uh, kind of button in the fact that James Whale was gay, but he deserved to be, you know, uh, thought of as a person so making the homophobia and the death by homophobia more of a an overt uh question um was probably their way of uh trying to deal with the fact that at the time him being gay was like a huge question and a huge issue so him like mm. being a person who should you know be able to live his life and enjoy who he was was important i don't know it was weird because it came out during that time period in the 90s where there were a lot of issue films involving like someone being gay as the main oh my god crux of the film as opposed to later films where it's like someone just happens to be gay and it's not as much of an issue at least that was that's my how, i mean i like i said i i i barely remember the movie but i i i do remember um the the james whale kind of hint they don't actually say that he's gay but they very strongly hint at it um that's what i remember of it and and uh, according to the imdb page that like this was apparently karloff and whale had a dalliance and this was kind of the movie that kind of broke him up because whale was kind of famous for sort of punishing karloff in weird ways like making him do takes over and over again just to like mm. you know uh manifest his outrage or petty jealousy or whatever um it, 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 that's at least what i heard but um for the most part uh everybody just hated shooting in the rain in this movie mm. especially they just hated that bit no, that's and I, I will say like there, there's a scene in the very opening of the movie this is i and i gotta hand it to whale because whale was very much inspired by german expressionism you know from almost you know five or six years earlier um and uh, as a lot of horror movie directors were at that in the 30s um so it he's not afraid to move the camera and especially this movie considering it's very you know priestly where it's you know drawing room everyone's sitting around talking he he does block it like a stage play but he knows how to move the camera and he knows where to put the camera he's he's very deliberate about that and i i kind of like that there's that opening shot two moments in the opening scene one was the rock slide which i felt was pretty impressive in 1932 because you knew they had to do that shit live um and i thought it looked pretty good and then um there's when they first come up to the house you could tell whale just put a fucking camera right on the car and just like drove the car up there and i thought that was a pretty bold choice for 1932 especially uh, for, for how much of film especially for how heavy those cameras used to be for that sure wasn't a small and how shitty those cars were back then yeah, yeah, am yeah. i right you know yeah uh i also think one of the things about uh possibly the the idea that there is um material in the old dark house that's a little progressive for its time or a little bit uh um interesting or uh, unusual like some of the gay readings possibly or you know possibly the metaphor of like 
being secluded or abandoned or looked down on by society for sexual orientation, things like that. The thing I think that's worth noting about that is whale in his filmography is clearly political and clearly progressive overtly like showboat is about racial prejudice, like full stop. And that movie I mentioned the road back, which was changed from Wales original version by vision by studio interference. Like it was banned in Nazi Germany and like whale wanted it to make it much more of like an open, like Nazis suck ass movie than the studio was willing to do in the 1930s. Um, so I don't think it's that, I don't know. I think whale is a director who beyond just making like a little spook house movie, uh, would probably have a little bit more on his mind than just, you know, Here's Karloff oh, chasing a girl. I, I I agree, especially, like I said, the fact that the, the novel itself, the source material, is sort of a, you know, a commentary on post-World War I society. I can imagine Whale latching onto that and trying to get in the deeper themes and, and almost kind of does. Like I said, I, maybe I just didn't get it and I'm not mm -hmm. sophisticated enough to understand it, which wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But uh, I'll go ahead and give you a point for that, Zach, because you're completely right. I think that Whale... Um, was aware of what he was trying to say in his movies. I just, I, where the biographers push back is that how overt he was being with the whole homosexual stuff. He, that sure. They, yeah. they would yeah. argue that he wasn't as overt about it as, especially the Gods and Monsters movie made it out to be. And as, you know, but they, and as film academics like to read into his movies, especially not so much this, but definitely Brian the Frankenstein. Brian sure. the Frankenstein. Like, and, yeah. and as I remember, that's mostly what the movie covers in in Gods and Monsters is him making uh Brian of Frankenstein. I, I think uh, that's, that's the movie they jump back to flashbacks of. That yeah, uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, that's what they harken back to out of all of his films. That's the one that sticks out to me if I remember the movie correctly. So I'll give you a point for that stack that I think that it's it could be likely, but I just I don't know. That well, considering that people knew him push back on it, I kind of take Yeah, the, they do argue in Gods and Monsters like they cut to him making Bride of Frankenstein a flashback and he very overtly tells the actor who plays I think the character's name is Dr. Pistorius or something like that. Yeah, Dr. Pretorius. Um, yeah, who I believe the actor was gay also mm -hmm. in real life. Yes. Um, he's very overt, like, you are in love with Dr. Frankenstein. Like, he's telling him on set. And obviously, like, did that happen? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Right. But, I mean, yeah. I don't know if anybody would have been that open with um, saying it that way, uh, just because of the time period. But having, yeah. having thought about this, the trope of going to an old house like the old dark house because there's rain outside and you're trying to find a place for safety and things like that that was a super common trope so i wonder if like this was something he knew he was doing a spoof or like a take on it um like if it wasn't like a genre like since then we think of that genre as like oh god there's so many things of people coming up and seeing that but we don't really associate um stories before this time period with that so for i think a lot of people we kind of think of this as maybe one of the first like people go to a creepy maybe old possibly house. The, it could be the first filmed yeah. example of that i'm not entirely sure i'm not sure i'm just wondering if like yeah, I, because there was like radio plays and things like that and like the alfred hitchcock hour and things like that yeah back if this might have been something sure. people knew about so then seeing this it was like oh well it's a spoof but we also know where it's based yeah off. i mean it's 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 a it is a it's a classic 
dramatic trope i mean they've been doing it on stage forever like it it's not it it it's the Priestley was a dramatist that's sure. why this movie is what it is um and and i and whether and whale was leading into the more goofy because as i'm rethinking about it now you know like when they're first driving in the car and then they cut to a real close-up of water leaking in through the ceiling yeah. and dripping onto um onto massey's head um i i think that that maybe that was meant to be funnier than i took it and i think that there's little thing like when he goes upstairs and he gets that that lamp from right next to the door that's all bolted and there's like food there that lamp is fucking ridiculous it's so big <laughs> it's like i feel like that has to be a joke i've never seen a lamp that looks like that it's massive it's gigantic <laughs> and, and, oh, there's, it, and also like it's it's cool uh, considering the time period in the 1930s because you know there aren't a lot of fades in this movie so most of the things were in camera um and the sound effects in that era are so obviously a guy in the background yeah. i love you know that for 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 a film academic if you're that's the academic stuff that i get out of it I'm like wow that that is that you know that shit's yeah. live honey they're, they're, they're see you hear that that lightning strike there's somebody off in the camera that would have been my fucking job would be there just going, <laughs> yeah that was like uh, classic like radio sound effects playing in totally. the background yeah no, that, no later loop sounds it's all like live recording yeah right yeah yeah so it, it was a whole new thing for film because like film was so used to just being you know silent and stuff so when they realize that, oh, wait, we got to put music. Well, there's only one way to put music in this film, buddy. Um, and that's, it, it's it, it's cool. That's why you like these kind of movies. And also it is cool to see uh, how early a lot of these, especially the actors, their career was. I mean, Karloff just got started. Um, Charles Lawton was just getting, I mean, all of these people were just kind of getting, I think Gloria Stewart was the one like kind of well-tread journeyman at that point as far as films are concerned, because Charles Lawton, I don't think was in many films before that, but it is a great cast yeah. by everyone except Karloff. There, yeah. I said it. Karloff's overrated. I, there, He I does said what it. Karloff does, which is, which is a what? big hulking monster which is just who chases someone around uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Well, he was playing Frankenstein again. Yeah, like, I know. That's like Frankenstein, but the difference was, is the original time he played Frankenstein, they had enough like little uh, uh, lyrical moments a little polite moments, little sweet moments where you saw the humanity of the character. In this one, the most humanity I think we see is when he's like, oh, that guy's dead. Oh, that guy's really dead. I feel bad. Other than that, it's like, oh man, your uncle got a little drunk and he's really, really angry about this hockey right. match is basically how it played for me most of the time. <laughs> it's so weird. And that's the other thing, like this Morgan character, like, so they're very much like, oh, Morgan gets wildly drunk and like is dangerous. They have to keep him around because he's like the only person who Saul will engage with and vice versa. Like it's it's a very interesting little dynamic they have. Yeah. And it, it's funny that that they make Morgan always go after the women, too, because uh, the sister brings that up that like he's terribly lecherous and, and, you know, they sort of imply a bit of a rape uh, might be in store if Morgan had his way. Yeah. Uh, sort of imply that, but they sort of imply that the whole family is sort of into that. And 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 yeah, dad, she says everybody's dad did nothing. And dad, dad did nothing to dissuade that, um, other than just saying that Saul's the real dangerous one. I'm just this old man. Um, 
Yeah, it's a classic, yeah, I, it's a it, classic it, it's, thing it, of like families in isolation is, get weird. That's what it is. Yeah. Why? That's the other thing. Like, what, what was your guys' impression of when the father character shows up and it's very clearly a young woman in old age makeup who sounds like a young woman playing <laughs> playing this 102-year-old bedridden man? <laughs> Doing an impression of a 102 bedridden man. I was once an old man. You know, like... It, 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 it's it, such an interesting choice to just make it that character... It is an interesting choice, but it's also, like, I'll, I'll bet it, at the time nobody gave a shit. I'll bet everyone was all like, oh... Oh, 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 fucking old man there i mean you i know. mean it, this happens in modern times too where there'll be a strange For gender sure. swap that just leaves you wondering like i'm not against it but i don't know why like the movie suspiria like famously it's, just had like tilda That's swinton true. playing a man like five different characters yeah mm. yeah and mm. i was totally and, uh, like they did that in uh the yeah. hbo angels in america uh yeah. with i think it was was it glenn close no or meryl streep meryl streep probably meryl Street. I mean, Meryl the thing Street. is, it's like totally acceptable when it happens. Like, oh, okay, they just gender swap that character. But those but I are. I don't know what the. I mean, I'd know, say Peter those Pan examples. On Broadway was played by a woman, forever, and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. But I think those examples are different because in both of those examples, a, it's a single actor playing multiple parts throughout a show, and Very b, true. it's often the most famous actor there is. Mm. Uh, what was mm -hmm. your first example uh, besides? I said Angels in America. You said. Um, the other gender swapped one. He um, said Suspiria. Suspiria. Oh right, Suspiria. That's a remake, but uh, um, very strange. Yeah, like Tilda I mean, Swinton. Hairspray. Hairspray is another hairspray. example. Where those ones know. are all a. Well, also let's do <laughs> Angels in America and Hairspray. Right. Yeah. Uh, both based waters. on plays, yeah. and also, I mean, if you want to talk about gay movies, they are. They are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that's why I think that that it's it's. I don't know. It's an interesting choice, but not that surprising of a choice considering uh, there probably weren't that many 102 old year old people to play that convincingly. But I don't I don't buy that for a second. You're right. There must have been an old man. You could have laid in bed and or a even a young, on. you know, I mean, it's very transparently, in my opinion, very clearly a woman like I, I I'm sure they could have found a young man and, and aged him up and it would have sounded more like a male voice. I, for 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 my read on it, I thought it just tried to add to the continuing eerie ambiance of the whole house and that everything's yeah. sort of like really strange. And that's why I, I sort of enjoy the choice and it works to add that sort of eerie effect that, that the movie still kind of had throughout it. Um, I think which, she yeah. commonly, she was in a couple... Um, mystery house movies i don't think she was super young though yeah like, i don't um, i think she was actually pretty up there at the time of this movie yeah elspeth something she was born 1871 and this movie came out in 19 okay so she was 32 60 so maybe yeah around I mean, 60 she, years she old she definitely wasn't like uh an octogenarian or anything but she was you know a little bit older um okay yeah i'm not sure i think she had a little bit of a history doing spooky you know People go into old house movies too. There's, <laughs> There's a thing Jesus. in here called Mystery House that it looks like it's a similar deal to this. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's why. Uh, I mean, I, but other than that, what a great cast though this movie had. Other than Karloff, I really like Charles Lawton's. Sure, I um, think everybody's great. I Char Charles Lawton is so committed to playing this character who's just more or less a caricature. Um, oh, yeah. But he brings such humanity to it, and what a joy I, that must be as another actor to play off of to to see I, this kind of 
you know, kind of larger man, but just like graceful and just like kind of goofy, but like, you know, he's Mercury. He can be yeah. liquid metal. You know, it's, it's very cool. That, that character when he first shows up is like kind of an oaf and a little boorish. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even Melvin Douglas. And they're even so. making fun of the Welsh throughout this movie at the right. beginning. <laughs> like they're mocking the Welsh and then that guy shows up and he's Welsh and he's kind of a. Yeah, but even yeah. even uh, Pendrell, um, you know Roger Pendrell, the Melvin Douglas character. Even he would meet him, and he's just like your your typical uh, what you would picture a 1930s bachelor to be like, where he's just kind of lazing about, you know. Uh, well, but let's get some brandy in me, you know, that kind of guy. And and I thought he now I will say the love story was extremely rushed, and I get why that was the case. Um, yeah, I because, think that seemed a little know. tacked on. Yeah, yeah, right. But it 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 added an interesting enough thrust, and William Bond's fine. But I, th- yeah, I, think, I was really impressed with the cast. It, it's a pretty common uh, even, think, even uh, the femme brother and sister. It's a pretty common oh, yeah, second act like fix up. They were like, it's getting slow in the second act. We've got to have these characters do something. Let's add a romance a romance B plot plop. Off to the honeymoon you go, kids. Yeah. Roll credits. I yeah, I, I think that. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I liked all the performances. I thought that uh, all of the femmes were so camp that it was really enjoyable to see like these broad caricatures. Like um, even and even when they finally get around to Saul, who like first you got like his arm is around the corner for like three <laughs> minutes straight, and it's just like oh shit, Saul's coming, and then they finally. And then like Morgan gets taken care of and Saul shows up and he is just a kindly looking old man. And they really like, I like that scene a lot where like Saul tries to like gaslight uh, Penderel by being like, they're crazy. They locked me up for no reason. Yeah. No, it's a fun um, turn as an audience member too. Cause you're almost like, well, that makes sense. I, and then I he buy just that. <laughs> slowly begins to advance on him and plays with the knife. I think it's a really well done little sequence where like Saul you kind of believe him at first and then gradually he becomes a little more unsettling and dangerous seeming until the facade falls away completely. Right. And then it, it just um, becomes Harpo Mark setting the building on fire. We, yeah. we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think this one remind the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think borrows from this one even more because the second sure, one is the one that's more of a comedy comedy. Yeah. 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 But I mean, there's still some spooky, eerie themes going on in this movie. I mean, it's still pushing the kind of creepy level a bit. Like it is, uh, I understand that the camp and, and stuff, but I mean, there are some pretty off-putting moments in this movie. And maybe it's just because of Curse of the Cat People where I was just looking for anything to even remotely spook me. Um, and 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 this one at least kind of accomplished that goal where it it is not... It's it's it. You're right. It is more of a, a horror, horror movie. Comedy. It's, it's a, like it is more of a horror movie. It's but... like I think I think the comedy is very intentional. Based on what I'm like, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes to see like reviews from people, and almost every single one of them is on the page. This is this is a horror comedy. Right. Um, well, and it should be noted too that this film was almost lost, like I said, because the '63 one, and nobody had seen this. But then they found some print uh, sitting in. I don't know, some country or whatever, and they were able to restore it, and that's how they were able to preserve this movie. I'm glad they did. I think this movie I think this movie's pretty fun. Yeah, everyone thought yeah. that this was like a forgotten James Whale classic. And you know, yeah. with the with it, it'd be hard to believe with a movie with everybody who's in this movie, and considering this is the second 
pairing with Whale and Karloff, yeah. you know, because yeah. Frankenstein was such a big deal. I think it, it, yeah. this film underscores that point is that Frankenstein was such a uh, lightning rod for movies. That, oh, like, yeah. It, is that uh, pun intended? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's alive. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I, that movie very much seems, this movie seems to be sort of whale and Carl Vail, like, we'll just, you know, piggyback off of that. And I got another yeah. one. Let's go. I, uh, I hadn't actually seen the whole movie either um, until we did this, because it was like, when you said it was like an undiscovered or rediscovered, like lost film. I remember in Denver, they had found the nitrate film and I went to that one transfer house. I told you guys about it. The only part of this movie I saw was essentially them showing up and then entering the house like that's that's all they played for us was that first chunk of that reel where they they're in the vehicle mm. and then they show up at the house and then they go in so for me i was just like oh okay it's a scary movie but the guy who was showing it to us was like yeah this is a lost film but uh this one isn't super popular and he just kind of kept letting us know that and then he played it. i'm like okay well my uh anticipation's really low now <laughs> but yeah found this yep. old this old classic film but boy does it suck so here you go it's a real piece of shit for you today <laughs> that was basically it that was his whole read on it that's like, funny okay. i mean this is historically important i guess but uh, otherwise it has no redeeming value it's like here's here's the nice the piece world of- would have honestly been better if they had if it had been lost uh, I found a nice <laughs> chunk of corporal light to show you off to you today. Yeah, hey, that's that is good. Uh, yeah, so I guess we can get the final thoughts unless you guys have more to to harp on. I, I no, but I'll I... give you. Um, I think for for your notes about like how strong the cast was, even though Karloff is kind of just doing his Karloff shtick. Yeah, I'll I... give you a point for that observation. All right, thank you, buddy. Was, uh, yeah, I think that's well observed. It's true. Yeah, because yeah, like, yeah, I, I, I mean, he got because Frankenstein was such a big deal. Like, I think that that's what they're just like, kind of, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get it with Karloff. Lugosi, I get it, but not with Karloff. Um, yeah. Lugosi. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's, he's, I like Lugosi a lot better. Dracula is a really good performance. And uh, you know, Ed Wood, his portrayal of Ed Wood is a lot yeah. of, uh, very interesting. Well, have, very have true. Guys, uh, and Ed Wood himself is an interesting character. Have you seen Boris Karloff in the mummy? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. A long time ago. I was wondering, and that is that probably his most unique m- performance. Yeah, because I was thinking I vaguely remember that one having more going on with the acting, but I didn't know exactly. I mean, he gets to talk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Sure. Use words. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> to say he's not talking in the old dark house. You just can't understand what the fuck he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I mean, not for nothing. In Frankenstein, the book, Frankenstein does talk quite oh, loquaciously yeah. if i might add <laughs> like he, he sure it yeah. sounds just like dr frankenstein right, um right. anyway uh Karloff, so i guess I, i'll give Karloff credit like there are scenes in the frankenstein movies where i think he's good like the scene with the little girl i think he does well there's a scene where he meets an old blind man and he's like trying to smoke and he does it so rapidly and it's pretty it's a pretty fun little it's bit part of what he does so well in frankenstein is he he has this yeah. sheen of a victim still you know and morgan's kind of a watered down he's just a brute more right Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's nothing sympathetic and there's not supposed to be and that's why i think Karloff hated this movie um 
so and it shows all right well i guess we've 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 toured the old dark house uh on all of its secret corridors and its lunatic family members uh zach why don't you go ahead and give your final thoughts since you're gonna announce the next film then i'll give mine and then we'll get to borf then we'll give mine okay uh yeah so the old dark house was one that i ended up quite a bit i enjoyed this movie i might have enjoyed it more than either of you too i found it genuinely pretty funny um in a very like reserved way um that like this the uh the remake was like so silly and slapstick and 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 just didn't work for me but this one was like so i don't know one of the reviews called it like almost a drawing room farce and it's like yeah it's like that level it's like not you know you know it's it's not silly three stooges shit but it's these absurd characters and this absurd intersection of society and and people excluded from society and it's uh i i really enjoyed it on that level um i think that there are a lot of ways to look at this movie you could draw i mean we came away with certain different ideas about what it was about um but i don't know i think it has a little more going on than than meets the eye and uh overall i had a good time with the old dark house Alrighty. Uh, Chris Borif, do you have any final thoughts about the dank? Um, you know, I, uh, my feeling on the movie was that it was fine. I didn't really, um, it didn't like, my feelings on the movie is that basically it had a lot of interesting parts, but I'm not sure what of this will actually stick with me later for having watched it. I think it was more of an interesting thing on an academic level. Um, you know, Charles Lawton's fun. It's worth it to see it once if you're just kind of wanting to be more familiar with that time period and all that. But, um, eh, I mean, there's, there's, there's better films from all the people involved. That's what I'll say. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, I I think I'm I'm kind of right in between the I, I'm I'm leaning more towards Borov's view of this movie. I I think I wanted to like this movie more than I actually did. Um, I I'm not sure if it's just because I wholly missed the comedy parts of it and the lighthearted sort of ending sort of threw me off. Where I was like, well, then nothing fucking matters. I guess we'll just you mm-hmm. know. Um, but and I think that the films that this film might have inspired i think i liked a little bit better so maybe i just have the 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 privilege of of being living in the future uh that being said uh it was an enjoyable movie i mean it was fun it was tight you know not a lot of nonsense it really like what you love about movies in this era you're in and out you know it's it's they're real quick um so it and the characters are very well fleshed out and not just you don't necessarily get a sense of who they are personally, but you get a sense of how they relate to one another um, and where they stand with one another. And that's always a fun dynamic to play with. Sure. And as I've mentioned earlier, I always love it when a horror movie, part of why this is, I thought this movie was going to be better than what it was. I thought it was going to be more like Frankenstein invisible man, but like rather than add in some, you know, magic super science or whatever, it's just a crazy family, you know, and I wanted to see what that was like in 1930 and uh you know i wasn't terribly disappointed but it did it 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 strayed more into the goofy side which i guess i wasn't really prepared and that's maybe more my fault um so yeah i guess that's my final thoughts of the film i'm sort of with more more of an academic uh view for me uh where you know 
before and after many people made better movies with everybody involved. But it was nice to see that everybody got together to make this film and that it still exists. And I got to see it um, and have Karloff basically play Frankenstein with only, you know, a quarter of the makeup. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Uh, I Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm excited to, maybe Zach will actually pick an actual, like, spooky, scary movie from this era because like there's still some good there's still some some grapes on the vine that we haven't really plucked at yet Uh, but before we get to zach's point let's get our uh business done let's read the will of the fam family uh chris borth uh you still have two bonus points and they're at 11 points uh i now have 11 points to give out with one more bonus point to give out uh because zach gave me a point for uh applauding all the cast and knocking you know taking a piss at carlos cheerios a little bit and uh zach you have two more bonus points to give out with 12 points because i gave you a bonus point for chasing the whale so to speak um so with that in mind zach powers in the final movie of our second annual halloween theme which in our second one we've covered now the whole era (laughs) between (laughs) so zach powers what are we doing yeah, uh, this was uh, an interesting choice to make. Like, there's there are a lot. Like, I made a list. I sent it to you guys of like dozens of movies from this area. Like, I had considered. Well, I mean, do I do I go back to the silent era and like try take a gamble on Nosferatu or Caligari or something? Do I go to the classic Universal movies? But I feel like James Whale. We like kind of went there a little bit. We 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 were in the neighborhood with the old Dark House. Um, uh, I th- I briefly was like, well, we watched Charles Lawton in this. I could do Night of the Hunter because he would go on to direct that. Be a pretty big shoe in, I imagine, because that's kind of a classic. Um, but I felt like I wanted to do something I hadn't seen before. And so I looked at my list and I wanted, I was like, well, what's something that feels unique, feels different from the movies we've watched so far? Um, and the one that stood out to me was 1955's uh, Diabolique, which I've never seen. It's a French uh, French horror film from 1955, so I'm adding foreign onto the old. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it, it, it intrigued me. I have. You're actually doing a callback right now. Uh, Diabolique, I believe, is directed by the same director who did the original Wages, original Wages of, Fear. of Fear. Correct. Yes. Correct. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And it's his wife, right? His wife is the main character, isn't it? I believe so, yes. Yes, when when we watch it, uh, keep in mind that the fish shown were real fish, and they were really in the state that they are describing them in the movie. Well, that's... hmm. uh, That's ominous. Uh, Oh, that is (laughs) ominous. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, well... yeah, this will be blind for me. I I, I guess that's 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 the wild... That's a wild card. Uh, Based on Chris's card. response so far, uh, I, uh, I'm i guessing that uh, at the very least, this will succeed in being something like a horror movie. It, it, um, has, it has been classically reviewed, classically talked about. It's exciting you're going to see this. And I think it's French also New Wave, to, baby. We're doing it. Yeah, it's also going to lead to an interesting conversation about the treatment of actors. Hmm, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe we didn't do that with Peckinpah? <laughs> or Kubrick, come on! Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you guys will see. You guys will see. 
Um, okay, cool. Yeah. All righty. Well, that will uh, next week. Next time, we'll join us, please, for 1955's Diabolique. Uh, it'll be the conclusion of our spooky Halloween spectacular. Uh, so we'll be voting, and we'll decide who will get to uh, inflict us with a movie of their choice. And yeah. then after that, we'll jump into my theme with the sports and the hockey and the whatnot. Uh, so with that in mind, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope you have a spooky good time. Uh, I've been Russell Carlson. This has been The Movie Trap, and I have been joined by Chris Boreth. Spooky later. <laughs> and also Zach Powers. It's only a bit of gin, you know. <laughs> All righty. And don't forget, as we say here on The Movie Trap, Diane Ladd is too young to play Chevy Chase's mom. That's the movie Have trap a potato, promise. everybody. Have, Have a potato. potato. We're adding a new catchphrase. Have there a potato. You there you go. I don't know why they kept serving it. Have a potato. <laughs> See ya. This is dreadful, night. What?